Welcome back to In Bed with Lisa. You are in the right space for shame-free sex ed designed to help busy couples to have more fun in bed. You're in the right place for tips and tricks and saucy ideas to make sex playful and enjoyable once again. Today, I've got a great conversation for you. This is an interview with Susan Bratton intimacy expert to millions. So in this conversation, she's going to be helping us to move from having sex to making love. And trust me, the way that Susan describes this just makes it so exciting and enticing. So we're going to confront and deconstruct some deeply ingrained societal beliefs about sex because Susan Bratton says that basically everything we know about sex is wrong, right? And she is going to open our minds so that we can really start to change our mindset and enjoy sex again. So she has a unique perspective and she helps us to confront any misconceptions that we have and she calls it like an escape hatch, an escape hatch from mundane sex. She's going to give us a roadmap to transformation so that we can shift to that making love place. This paradigm shift can ignite an entirely new level of connection, intimacy, and satisfaction. So stay tuned to join us on a thought-provoking journey, exploring how to keep your sex life hot and vibrant. Susan is just incredible. I loved having her as a guest. She is so gorgeous. I invite you to go and check her out on all of the links that you'll find in the show notes. And Susan really practices what she preaches. You're going to see what I mean. This lady is redefining sexiness in your 60s. She's unapologetically gorgeous, sexy, and she owns it. Oh, I really think you're going to be inspired by this conversation. Let's dive in. Lisa, it's so good to be with a fellow professional. Thank you so much for inviting me on your show today. I'm excited about the topic of keeping your sex life hot, what you need to know to have great sex your whole life long that keeps getting better. I just think that's such an important conversation. And honestly, I don't hear that out there that much. So I'm glad that's what you chose today. Thank you. Yes, I think it's an excellent topic. And it's one that I can see that you know so much about. Because I think a lot of people expect that sex is going to become stale. We just imagine that that's the way it's going to be. And I think so many couples are stuck in sexless marriages. Is that what you found? Yes. And it's interesting. I think there are a number of myths. One is, oh, you you, you get tired of having sex when you hit menopause. Um, old people don't have sex anymore. Um, ED, erectile dysfunction is just going to happen no matter what you do. Um, men can have orgasms from intercourse, but women can't as easily. Um, Mm -hmm. those are, I think there's such a thing as mismatched libidos. I think that's a really common thing. People are just like, well, we have mismatched libidos. Um, women don't want as much sex as men. Um, These are just like some of the ones that I think are the limiting beliefs that often create what you think is going to happen rather than fighting against Mm. those myths. Because everything I just said, 
none of them are true, yet they are the beliefs that are generally held. And, wow. you know, we could spend time dis- dispelling those myths. Um, I could do that in about three seconds, honestly. It's so easy. But um, I think what's really important is to think, okay, every pretty much everything you know about sex is probably wrong. So come into this conversation with an open mind. Assume that you have societally created limiting beliefs that are not serving you. Assume that the culture in which you were raised has done you a great disservice. It could be as deep as abuse and trauma or religious repression or lack of modeling or bad modeling like the media and pornography. Um, Mm -hmm. And so uh, just assume that you have basically been screwed over in your sexuality, in your culture, in your lifetime, and that there's an escape hatch that you and I are going to talk about today. So suspending your beliefs and entering the conversation like, okay, tell me, Mm -hmm. I think that's a good place to start for people. Wow, you made me so eager to get into this now, Susan. That is just brilliant because just one thing I just want to say about this is all of those myths that you've said that you identified there are also perfect excuses to get away with not doing it. And I think that's what a lot of us like hold on to because sex, you know, it is a bit of an effort when you're busy and, you know, things are not always looking as you wanted them to. So if you have one of these myths in mind, it can be a great reason to say, oh, well, sex used to be great. (laughs) So you're basically saying, sorry, everybody, it's not true. It can be great. Well, there's a couple of things. Here's what I've learned in the last two decades of helping people do what I call transform having sex into making love. Oh. And I think that what I've what I've done is I've written and published 44 books and programs of my own work and others. I run a publishing company and we teach passionate lovemaking techniques. The wow. quote unquote brand of sex or type of sex that we teach people how to have is what I would call heart connected, conscious, passionate lovemaking. So heart connected is you show up and you are in love with each other, even if it's for the night right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be forever. You you love that person for the moments you're going to co-create. It's conscious because you actively want to have a great sexual experience in that moment, and you're bringing your full presence to it, and you're not hiding behind or caught up in shame or repression or mm-hmm. trauma. Because there are so many people who have been traumatized that they have to kind of work through that first before they can move on to having the kind of heart-connected, conscious, passionate lovemaking that I'm talking about. So there are people who, for them, it's they're willing to have the journey. Yeah. Then the whole idea of passionate is I want to be really turned on. I want to feel my ardor, my desire for you, and I want to feel your desire for me. Yeah. So often we hold back our desire for for many reasons that are primarily culturally oppression. And then the lovemaking part of it is, to me, what that symbolizes is it's not something where we're just going to put tab A into slot B, get our rocks off and move on. We're actually seducing, pleasuring, bliss, ecstasy, where we're, we're intertwined in a, a dance of pure pleasure together. 
And we're slow and we're methodical and we're not rushed and we're relaxed and our arousal is high and the juices are running and everything is flowing. And so I think when I tell people that, they're like, well, I've never had that. Or that's what I had one time with one person in one moment of my life and I've never been able to get it again. And all of those pieces are just learnable skills. And most people assume that sex is this kind of spontaneous thing that we know how to do. And the problem is that procreation, we can pretty much figure out how to do that. That's the tab A into slot B stuff. But lovemaking, those are acquired skills. Orgasms, those are acquired skills. And so, so many women think, well, I just can't have an orgasm, or I just can't have an orgasm from intercourse, or, you know, oh, it's just me. And then their partner's like, well, I guess she can't, but we're still going to have intercourse. And then they have intercourse for years, and it's not satisfying to her, and she doesn't want to yeah. do it anymore, and you can't blame her because they have this limiting belief that they that she can't. And yeah. it's because she's never gotten the kind of stimulation that she needs, which is a learned skill and super easy to learn. I mean, my, my job is so easy. I just teach people what to do. They do it. It works, and they're like, oh, my God tell me more. But there are people for whom sex has become something they are no longer interested in. And I am not speaking to those people. I'm not trying to um, get you to change your mind. You, okay. if you're listening to Lisa and I, you're the kind of person who actually cares and wants to know. And you're honestly in the small, the smaller cohort, because most oh. people never get beyond the repression, the lack of knowledge, the fear, the inabilities, the no skills, the not trying, the body image issues, the whatever it might be. They never re recover from their traumas. And so they don't have good sex, which means they die younger. They're less happy. They have worse relationships. They have less confidence. They have less creativity and vitality. And it's really a damn shame. So I appreciate so much what people like you and I do in the world to open people to their sexual potential. And that's super great. Susan, I could literally listen to you all day. You're ah. just speaking with passion. And it's true. It's true that people just accept that things aren't as they hope they would be. That incredible picture that you painted there of what lovemaking looks like. I mean, it gave me goosebumps. And you're right. These are the things we read about. These are the things we see on movies and we think, ah, one day, you know, maybe we'll experience that. But what you're saying is we can, but you just have to not accept that it's as lackluster as it happens to be right now, or you don't have to put up with the mediocrity and all of the conditioning and all of that. If we actually are in the minority who are willing to make a change, yeah. then we can. Yeah, it's really That's about learning what to do. It's and is it as simple as that? Is there a technique? Like, can you give us an insight? You make it sound so achievable. Yeah. <clears throat> I'd say there's a couple of really key things. Well, uh, this is a good example. I don't have it down here, but um, one of my books is called Sexual Soulmates, The Six Essentials to Connected Sex. And what I've done for years is people email me. So I'm not a therapist. I don't sit in an office with clients. I don't take one-on-one -on -one clients. I'm a publisher of passionate lovemaking techniques and bedroom communication skills. So I figure out what it is that helps you have really hot sex and explain how to do it.
And I publish the work of other people like me who do the same thing. There are these six essentials to connected sex are the things that I learned really move the needle for people when they want to go from where they are, what we just the kind of the before and after experiences we described. One of them is presence. A lot of people really check out emotionally during their sexuality. They shut down, they dissociate, and they're not fully present with their partner. And I think that's one thing, especially women being estrogen dominant. We have a lot on our minds. We're multitasking. We're up in our heads and we don't let go and experience the sensations and pleasure where our male body partners, they can tend to experience the sensations, but they're so goal oriented that they're hurried and rushed. They get an erection and they want to get inside us and they want to have that orgasm. And we haven't even gotten turned on yet. And so there's, if I, if I hear people with a mismatch libido, I'm like, it's probably not your libido because your libido, unless you're not healthy. So your libido is how healthy you are. And when you're in good health, you should have a libido. But if you've had rushed sex as a woman where you've never really gotten fully engorged, your genitals have never had the time to have a full erection, because we women have as much erectile tissue in our vulva as our male body partners do in their penis, but their penis gets hard really fast compared to how long it takes our vulva to get an erection. So we've been having flaccid sex our whole life. No wonder we don't have orgasms. No wonder we don't want to have sex with people. So that's number one is he has to slow down. She has to get the stimulation she needs. They both have to be present, which leads to number two, which I call the sexual soulmate pact, P-A-C-T. And you can actually download this communication technique at sexualsoulmatepact.com. And it basically overcomes the two biggest issues that the male and female partner have. She's afraid to tell him any feedback of what she likes or doesn't like for two reasons. Number one, she's not sure what she wants. She just knows what she's getting isn't it. And number two, when she gives him feedback, he emotionally collapses, takes it as failure, and the sex date is ruined. So she keeps her mouth shut and puts up with things. So Uh that's a really big, you know, stumbling block. Big time, yeah. Number three is this idea that sex should be spontaneous and that we should be gripped with desire and everything should work. When in fact, sex is like making good food. You know, it's very seldom that you just have something in your refrigerator already made that you just warm up and it's delicious unless it's leftovers, which you already cooked with love and care (laughs) and attention. And so sex is a recipe and it requires you to have nice surroundings, good lighting, the temperature nice, uh, soft, Mm. fluffy towels, the best lube that makes your yoni and Lingham happy, um, good music, uh, water, glasses, um, you know, when you prepare the love nest, the lover space, and you both get it together and put it together so that you can surrender to your pleasure together, it, it really helps you drop into heart connection because you're not pretending like sex is something that's out of your control. Like that comes from shame and guilt. 
expecting yourself to be swept off your feet comes from, well, there has to be a power greater than I because I'm not allowed to feel all this desire. When you make up the lover space together with your partner and he's grooming and you're jumping in the shower and you're getting everything ready, what playlist do you want? Do you want a glass of wine or do you just want water? Oh, I think I'll have some of that sparkling water today. Okay, let me get it for you. When you're laying down the waterproof bedding and you're doing all the things... You're that's a that's an act of quote unquote foreplay. And the mm-hmm. thing also is that I don't like the words foreplay because foreplay means that everything that leads up to intercourse isn't as important as the intercourse. And that comes from religious repression where sex was for procreation only. So the only thing that mattered was intercourse. Don't get me wrong. I love intercourse. I'm highly orgasmic finally from intercourse, which I had to learn how to do because by four at 42, I'd never had an orgasm from intercourse. And I was like, I got to learn this. So I learned it. So, so I think the lover space is a really important aspect as well. Staying embodied, looking each other in the eyes. You'd be surprised how many people don't look each other in the eyes, don't hold each mm-hmm. other, don't pet each other, don't touch yeah. each other. They just grab a boob and stick it in. And that that doesn't work at all. Um, so, and then the, the final thing is this notion of erotic play dates, which my, mm-hmm. one of my mentors, I've been lucky to have a lot of mentors like you do. Uh, with Patty, uh, Dr. Patty Britton. And um, one of my mentors created this concept called the erotic play date. And the erotic play date, it basically understands, it kind of, it agrees that when couples learn new sexual techniques together, they get better in bed together and their sex becomes more satisfying. And so having the kind of sex life where you are actively pursuing new techniques, new skills, mm-hmm. new experiences allows you to have more fun and you're more interested, especially as a woman, in showing up for an erotic play date where maybe you're going to find your G spot or you're going to try a new toy or you're going to try a new sex position or you're going to wear lingerie and do a photo shoot and do some sexy dancing or have sex in a new location. When you start doing those things, when you have what's called a sex life bucket list, and I've written 48 erotic play dates at sexlifebucketlist.com. You can download them. No way. Parking like that, parking like that, because I want to talk more about that. But once mm-hmm. you start thinking about having se- your sex life being play dates, pleasurable, mm-hmm. erotic, play dates, then you get rid of the monotony of monogamy, you have new relationship energy together, you increment your skills, you have more fun. It's not a chore anymore. I'm just going to have to have intercourse with this guy. I'm never ready. I never orgasm, but I'm doing it so he's not grumpy when I live with him. I mean, that's mostly where people are, as you know, very well working with the clients that you do. So I think those are some of the fundamental techniques techniques and concepts that really get you on this upward pleasure spiral. Because I do believe that sexual soulmates are co-created, not kind of, you know, ordained. 
Yes. Oh my goodness, Susan. (laughs) You're making me feel all excited to get these dates underway because just the way you describe them. I mean, that is so intriguing. You want more. You want to do things for each other just to prepare the space. Just in that, just that very act of preparing the space and creating a container for fun and play and discovery, exploration. That is worth getting excited for. Yeah. And when, so with the sex life bucket list is really interesting because what I realized that people wanted, they want techniques, but what they really want are ideas for fun things to do in the bedroom. They want to keep it spicy. You know, it's how do you spice up your relationship? And so I put together 48 erotic play dates and I put it in a PDF actually. Hang on. I think I've got one right here somewhere. Yes. Um, so if you go to sex life bucket list, you can, po- you can print out your personalized sex life plan and you go through it and you mark each item of the play dates, an A, a B, or a C. And it comes with a free video where I walk you through all 48 ideas. Consider it your first erotic play date. If you're lucky enough to have a partner, you sit down together, you've got two printed out versions, you watch the video maybe on your laptop in bed together, and I walk you through all the 48 ideas and you mark them A, B, or C. A is, oh, this is definitely going on my bucket list. I want to find my G-spot or I want to become a multi-orgasmic man or whatever it might be. <clears throat> and then bees are, well, it's not something that would go on my bucket list, but if my partner wanted it, I would totally do it with them. And these yes. are, it's not for me right now. It may mm-hmm. be in the future, but it's not something that I want to put on my bucket list right now. We can always revisit them once we've worked our bucket list. You get your two bucket lists, you merge them, and then you've kind of got this formula for 10, 15 fun things you want to try. And then you set a date. Thursday, we're going to try one of the things. Which one do you want to try? Well, I'm not sure which one I want to try, but I'll have some lingerie ready. And maybe we could do some sex on the dining room table. But I definitely want to find my G-spot too. You know, and it's you. all of a sudden, you've got all these things yeah. you want to do together. And it slows everything down because you're having fun together. You're not pressuring each other to kind of achieve the deed, you know, you're just, you're just having a good time again, like you used to when you got together back when you really used to love to have sex together in the beginning. This is phenomenal. It's like an, an adventure. Like, okay, so these are these are the places we would like to visit. It's like a treasure map. You, these are the islands we're going to land on. Yeah. And which one should we land on first? What do we need to pack? What should we take? What should we wear? Yeah. When are we going to do it? Like, it is fun when you put it like that. I mean, and you get to take all of the blame. Like, they don't have to say, well, I didn't come up with pegging, for example. It was on Susan's list. <laughs> Right. I mean, pegging is one of the really fun things that you can do together. It's particularly enjoyable because it really expands your male-bodied partner's um, sense of their own eroticism. They can have P-spot orgasms. They can have experiences they've never had. They can get to know what it feels like to be penetrated so that they get some more um, just not sympathy, but like empathy for what it's like when they're penetrating you. Um, Just that as one example is a really nice example. 
Amazing, Susan. This is phenomenal. I can just see that it could be a huge step in transforming people's sex lives into making love, as you said, moving it into something that is a collaboration and not a chore, not something that you're doing out of obligation. Yeah. Mm. I love it. I love the whole idea of the upwards pleasure spiral as well. I always yeah. think about that as being like the DNA helix where the two strands are just circling mm. around each other into heaven. That's um, that's always what I think about. Yeah, I can oh, visualize that. I just got the cutest thing. <clears throat> Hang on a second. I got to show you something. Let me grab a little box. I'll be right back. There's this toy company called Giant Microbes, and it's so cute. They have all these STIs, all these different STIs. They've got like, this is syphilis. And um, this one is chlamydia. Look how cute cl- chlamydia is. He's got little things on his head. Uh, this one is trichinomiasis, which you should always test for. A lot of people don't test for that when they get their STD test. Trichinomiasis has got long little hair. Um, but this one is so cute. Oh, I love the crabs. If you get the crabs, this is the crab louse. Look how cute the crab louse is. Uh, but the one that I loved is the DNA helix. Look how cute the little spirals of the DNA helix with the little, the little eyeballs on it. (laughs) That is adorable. I never thought I would think that an STI was adorable, but the DNA is my favorite for sure. (laughs) Here's herpes. It looks like an egg, doesn't it? Sunny side up. Yes, it does. Uh, Here's the clap. (laughs) <laughs> syphilis no isn't that funny uh, yes. this one is HPV that's a that's oh, a bad wow. one you don't want to get your throat cancers good to test and vaccinate no. that one here's HIV of course we're doing pretty well containing that now with PrEP and this one is hepatitis Hep- you gotta watch for hep C that's, that's contagious and uh, you know it's good to test for the hepatitis as well um, that's one of the things that I always like to tell people is when you're working when you're deciding to be with a new partner you should get a full panel of STD tests and do what I call screening in so that mm. nobody's gonna get any STIs and you can have unprotected sex you obviously have to protect for pregnancy but um, yeah. you can use an IUD or a fertility awareness method or things like that, um, a non-medicated IUD. You don't want to take birth control pills or you want to, don't want to take medicated IUDs. You don't want to have to put fake hormones in your body. You want bioidentical hormones later in your life to keep you young and sexy. But uh, I just thought those were so cute. Giantmicrobes.com. I'm a science nerd and I love all those STI little stuffed animals. It's so funny and silly. But hey, we've got to keep the marauding invaders out of our body. You know, every every time we get any kind of bacteria or virus, it it, it gets in there and it, it erodes and degrades our immune system and it potentially mm-hmm. shortens our life. So the more of them we can avoid by just simply having safe sex getting STI mm-hmm. tests in advance allows us to have comfort with our lovers that everybody's protected. And I think comfort and security are one side of the two part equation of desire. The other is novelty, variety and adventure. So you have to have mm. safety combined with the adventure. And I think that's what's nice about the sex life bucket list. It gives you all the adventure ideas. So you have your safety and you have your adventure. 
I love it. That, the combination of the two. And it's, it's wonderful to see somebody kind of branding STIs, if you like, in yeah. such a kind of fun way. Because yeah. as you say, these are simply viruses and bacteria and infections, yeah. just the same as a cold or a flu. You don't need to be ashamed of them, yeah. but you don't want to just pretend they're not there, be too scared to check. It's just another thing that sometimes happens. It is, they're often treatable and manageable, but it's no good keeping your head in the sand. And if you want to have that level of comfort with a partner, new partner, or if you want to explore something like ethical non-monogamy, for example, exactly. then these are important things to keep, you know, to keep in mind and to be upfront about. Yes. I love ethical non-monogamy, and I'm so glad to see that it's coming more to the fore with so many people. Actually, yesterday, I got an email from a guy who said, you know, I've been on your sex tips newsletter for over a decade. You've taught me so much. But one of the things that I've come to the realization about is that my wife just simply doesn't want sex. She doesn't want me to bother her with it. She's just, I can't get her, I can't get her to the table, and I'm driving her crazy. So I would like to approach her about having, um, you know, and we have a daughter, and I want to stay married to her, but I need to get my needs met. And I'm mm -hmm. thinking about how could I approach her with either, um, maybe I could have an affair, or maybe I could, um, you know, have ethical non-monogamy, or maybe I could, I don't know what, what do I do? What's my option? How do I approach her? And I said, well, she might be pleased to be off the hook and still married to you and still parent with you and still be platonic and build a life together. And mm -hmm. there might be certain ways that you can do that that would be easier for her than others. But yeah. whatever you decide to do, it's going to morph and you don't have a lot of control over it because things change all the time in, in ethical non-monogamy. It's not like you pick a thing and you just stay in that thing. That's very, it's actually very unusual. You know, you, you evolve sexually mm -hmm. and you're, the things you want to do evolve sexually. But I said, why don't you tell me what it is you want? And then we'll figure out how you can talk to your wife about why this is a good idea and what she would need to be comfortable with it. Because it yeah. could be that you just want to go out and have sex with a bunch of different people and explore. Or it could be that you just want to have a relationship with maybe a married woman in a sexless relationship herself who's looking for mm -hmm. a way to cope with the situation they're in and they don't want to change. Or mm -hmm. I don't know what, you tell me. And he's like, oh, wow, I really have to think about that. The man in me wants to screw around, but <laughs> I actually don't think I'm ready for that. I think I might be better off with something like the woman who's in a sexless marriage and wants a partner she can have trysts with a couple of times a week. And yeah. I'm like, okay, so if you're going to start with that, then let's talk about what exactly you'll be doing and what you think your wife's fears might be. You can't know mm -hmm. what she's going to say. You literally cannot guess it, but you could be kind of prepared with some of the yeah. scenarios that might be concerning to her and, mm -hmm. you know, kind of get, get, get ready for some conversations about that. And don't expect that you're going to ask her for it and she's going to say yes in the first conversation. This is a yeah. conversation that you're going to drip out over time and you're yeah. going to spend quite a bit of conversation figuring it out and coming up yeah. with some rules of engagement. And then, and she might fight you on it at first as well. 
right? Because that's going to scare her. So remember, she's going to be so scared to be left behind, to not know what's going on. Or maybe she wants the don't ask, don't tell. I just don't tell me anything about it. I hope that's not what she chooses because I think the more information that you have, the better, the more comfort you have, the more knowledge you have. And you can practice that compersion. That's such a good part of ethical non-monogamy, which is the idea that you're happy for your partner, but never at your own disadvantage. Because it's not even fair to your partner for you to just be like, all right, well, do it, but it's going to make me miserable. Well, that's not that's not an option. Your partner doesn't want to make you miserable. You're currently Mm -hmm. making your partner miserable, but it's not your fault that you're doing that if that's how you are, you know. And so there is a lot to work out. Those are interesting things, but more and more couples are doing them. Yeah, that is fascinating. And I mean, it takes such courage to kind of admit to yourself that this is this is important to me and this is an option that I'm considering. And then to have that conversation with your partner that you love and that you're committed to and you want to remain committed to, it takes an awful lot of courage, but it can work out. But is that the only way that you think that couples in sexless marriage can work through that and to find a place where they're making love? Well, one thing that you can do if you're partners willing to try again. Uh, One of the things I always say is that if you, when you got together, if you used to have good sex, there's a good chance you can get back to that. There are many couples who have had multiple renaissance in their sex life through the decades of their marriage. Mm -hmm. You have to think about couples where one of the partners gets ill. When you're ill, your libido is shot. Libido is the same, the same, the other side of the same coin as your overall health. If you're not healthy, you don't have, you can't have desire. You have no system resources. So couples can come back together and fix things many times. So that's one thing. If it's never been good, if they've if they've had trauma, they won't resolve it. It's un, mm-hmm. unmitigated repression, you know, whatever it might be, religiosity. I'll tell you there are a lot of people in relationships where religion has ruined one of the partner's sex life and the partner would prefer to keep their faith intact than to realize that their faith is what ruined their sex life. So that's yeah. difficult. But if mm-hmm. if you have never had good sex, you need a sexologist. You yeah. have to go to a professional. But if you've had good sex, often it comes from, especially in the dynamic of the man wants more sex than the woman and the woman is like, hey, I don't think so. It's because the sex has been shitty for her. You didn't know what you didn't know. It's not your fault. But she didn't mm-hmm. want to do it because it wasn't any fun. And so that brings you back to let's learn some skills together. Let's learn some oral pleasuring, sensual massage, intercourse techniques, sex positions, communication skills. Let's do some toys. Let's try some bucket list stuff. And if your partner is willing to start over and you understand how important her arousal is and how much Mm -hmm. engorgement she needs, and if she's willing to allow herself to surrender to her pleasure and become fully engorged or erect erect, so she can start to feel the sensations as good as you feel the sensations with this easy, fast-acting penis you have, if you're willing to slow down and really pleasure her, then yeah, you can totally get it back. But there has to be the desire for that to happen. And for so many women, they've had such 
bad sex they can't even believe it could be possible with their partner oh for goodness sake it's true it's so such a shame and especially because a lot of them haven't even low sex either and maybe that is because they're too ashamed to touch themselves or they just don't know you just don't know what is possible for them but uh, so thank you for like flying the flag here and saying look guys it can be so much better and it can literally be that once you realize that it can feel good that it can enliven you that it can actually like feed you it's like a fuel for your life if you once you get a taste of that well, then of course you're going to feel more up for it you're going to be like come on Time for our erotic date night. Exactly. <laughs> Susan's bucket list, which I think is just a phenomenal resource, really and truly, Susan. Thank you so much for sharing your time with us today. I would really love to just invite you to share like where people can find you, how they can access your work, because I know you said you've got books, you do speaking engagements, you've got so much going on. Like where would people, where's a good first step apart from the, the bucket list, which is excellent. I'll share the link to that but where else can they come and find you yeah i would say if you get all, if you get the sex life bucket list or the sexual soulmate pact you'll be on my email newsletter and then if you have any questions and you reply to any email that you get from me i'll answer it myself i answer all of my emails myself um so that's the first thing the second thing would be that i have a website with hundreds of videos at betterlover.com and I've published thousands of articles at personallifemedia.com. So those are two good places to go. And then if you want to follow me on social media, just go to moresusan.com. And that'll link you to all my various socials, whether it's Instagram, Facebook, or OnlyFans. Amazing. Oh, okay. You have an OnlyFans. Oh, yeah. I mean, at 61, I'm having the best sex of my life. And I really love to offer beautiful photos of myself. Um, and then I also like the opportunity to use images of genitals and videos and things like that to show people more about what to do. So I'm, I'm actually really grateful for the OnlyFans, OnlyFans platform because Instagram and Facebook are so conservative mm -hmm. that I really can't do anything to help people in those, in those places other than they can follow me and, you know, DM me. Incredible. Incredible. I have to say, Susan, the photos that I received, which are gorgeous, like publicity photos, I thought, goodness, this is one hot woman. She is like Ooh. on fire. I mean, how exciting. I love that you're fully embracing this yeah. and like owning your, your truth as a gorgeous hot woman and sharing that on OnlyFans. Like that is, I'm surprised and delighted by it. I just think it's great. And that you're not hiding it either. You know, OnlyFans is, is an interesting platform to navigate because it comes with so much stigma. You know, I'm, I've got a few friends who have decided to go down that route and they've received such backlash from friends and family. And I just think it's such a shame because it is another legitimate business avenue. And what a great way to share things, like you said, in a way that is not censored because sure, Instagram, Facebook and all of those platforms do not like these conversations. They do not. Yeah, they don't want to upset anybody on the platform. And I love the creative expression that I get from OnlyFans. And I also think, I don't know if you saw this, but Martha Stewart was recently on the cover of Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition and she's 85. Uh, yeah. And she looks so pretty. And she looks incredible. Oh, yeah. How can I tell people that they can, 
basically one of the things that I do is sexual biohacking, where I teach people how to have ageless sexuality. I stand for a lifetime of sexual pleasure. I stand for being in my 60s and being a sexually turned on woman who cares about her sexiness and beauty. And I want to encourage other women to know that your sexuality never ends if you tend its fires. And so I like to have really sexy pictures of myself in my 60s. So other women are like, damn, girl, you look good. And I'm like, you can too, baby. It's all up to you. You just bring it. And we will be happy to see it and enjoy it and applaud you and encourage you and acknowledge you. And that's what I find is that people are like, thank you so much for being out there and doing what you do. And and yeah. I find it empowering for myself and I think it's empowering for others too. Amazing, Susan. Truly, it is empowering. It did make me think, damn girl, like go. I loved it. Because, you know, interestingly, I had a painting done um, a, a, about a month or two ago. A lady did a painting of a photo of my breast. And she asked me if I would share it on social media and I got such a fear of doing it because it felt like I was sharing a nude, but it is a painting, you know? And yeah. and I did share it. I bit the bullet and I shared it and I just thought, yes. And I, I said, this is a painting of me, but it was hard to really see that as a, as see the beauty and know it was me, you know? I'd like to admit that was my beautiful, these are my beautiful breasts. <laughs> And I think that's the power of those photos too, to say that is me looking so sexy and desirable and yeah, owning that. We women love to be adored and appreciated for how beautiful we are. And the more of us who put ourselves out there and appreciate the encouragement and enjoy the pleasure of sharing our beauty, the more we help other women know it's okay. And encourage yeah. them too. So leading by example is so important. Mm. Thank you, Susan. I have to tell you, I don't want this conversation to end. Aww, I just you're sweet. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> Thank you. I really appreciate you sharing so generously and just being such a beacon of light. It's been an absolute pleasure. You're a doll. Thank you so much for having me. It's been my joy. So there you have it. That was Susan Breton, intimacy expert to millions. I know you're going to want to check out Susan as soon as you possibly can. So I've put all of her links in the show notes. In the show notes, you're also going to find my free offering for you, which is two sexy dates completely mapped out, designed for busy couples like you to help you to have more fun in the bedroom without having to do all of the mental legwork. You just follow along step by step and you get to take all of the credit. Thank you so much for being with me here this week. I can't wait to see you next time. And if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, head over to join me on Instagram or Twitter at InBedWithLisa. I'm looking forward to seeing you there. Thanks again, and I'll see you next week. Bye.